Um, this morning, I have, a, I have a question that I want to ask you. Uh, it's an important question. Because we're, we're here at church on a Sunday. Uh, you could be doing many other things, watching online. You could be uh, anywhere else, but you're here. And there must be some sort of reason for that, right? Uh, maybe it's out of obligation. Maybe um, you're just curious. Uh, maybe it's your Sunday routine. Um, maybe it's because you're truly, you know, you were seeking after the Lord, and this is a place where we come to do that. Whatever it might be, whatever category you find yourself in, I believe this question is an important one for you to ask yourself whether you have made the decision to follow Jesus or not. And when I ask you this, I really want you to think about it. I want you to be honest with yourself. Are you happy? Are you happy? Not just in this moment, not just on Sunday morning in church because we just had an amazing time of worship and prayer. How could you not, you know, be, be lifted after something like that? But in your day-to-day, in the core foundation of who you are, are you happy? And the reason that I'm asking that question is because if I'm being honest, I've had a lot of conversations and just seen it on a lot of people's face. People who follow after the Lord, who are saved, who call Jesus their Savior. Aggravated, yes. Fearful, sure. Frustrated, restless, anxious, stressed, yes. Happy, I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure if that's the word that I would use to describe a lot of people that are in the body of Christ. And that is very sad. And that is very wrong. And I want to discuss that this morning because I, I don't just believe, I know for a fact that there are many of us in here who would say yes to that quickly, right? And we put a smile on our face and on our surface, maybe we wear happiness like a shirt, but on the inside, it's a very different story. Maybe that, that goes along with a battle of, of depression, maybe even suicidal thoughts, maybe just living life numb. But if you were being honest with yourself and those close to you, happiness is not really a word you would use to describe how you are living life right now. Which is counter to what the Bible says, because the Bible's full of God. I mean, we just sang about it this morning. You keep on getting better. You are good, right? You are a good God. God says that every, every good and perfect thing comes from Him. That if as, as earthly fathers we give good gifts to our kids, how much more so our heavenly Father would give good gifts to us, right? Even Jesus himself, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life, a full life, right? So the, this, this is the message of the gospel. This is, this is our God that we worship and that we serve, that he is good. But the Bible also says that we're going to find hardship, that we're going to have to persevere, that there's trouble, right? So which one is it? Is God a good God that gives us good things? Or is God a God that we cling to when hard things come? Which one? The answer is yes. Yes. He is a good God that gives us good things. And he is a God that we cling to in the hard times. When the hard seasons come. But it doesn't change his goodness over us. Just like Ben said earlier, our faithfulness doesn't control God's power. The seasons do not control God's goodness in our lives. And so therefore, the joy that we walk with, that the fundamental, y'all, the fundamental joy, the fundamental happiness that is a core of who we are should not change. 
It should not change, but it can if we are not careful. And I want to look at, we're going to take a little, a little journey this morning on a process of how we get back to happiness in our life. How we get back to joy in our life if we've lost it, if we're off that path. But it, but it takes some explaining. And I want to look at scripture this morning and see what it has to say for itself. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1, we're going to read the whole thing. Don't worry, it's only six verses. It's really short. Scholars say that Psalms chapter 1 is a summary. It's a representation of, of pretty much all the Psalms. Like if you read Psalms 1, you're going to see in it what the rest of the Psalms really are all about. And it only takes six verses. And it says this, Oh, the joys. Think about that. The beginning of Psalms, all 150 chapters, begins with, oh, the joys. Not joy, joys, plural, many. There's not just one joy, there's joys. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Hmm. This doesn't just sound like a summary of the Psalms to me. This sounds like a summary of the entire Bible. And y'all, the Bible, when you break it down, like, is, is actually very simple. You know, at its, at its basic level, the Bible is very simple. It's incredibly deep, don't get me wrong. But it is also very simple in that it really gives us two choices. It gives us two choices to live our life. We can follow Jesus or we can follow the world. That's it. Two choices. And I love that. God makes it simple for us because we're simple people. And we're also kind of stupid sometimes. So I'm going to give you two choices. That's it. Not three, not four, two. All right? You can go this way or that way. And not only am I going to give you only two choices, but I'm going to tell you what results from each two choices. All right? Oh, the joys for those that delight in the law of the Lord. And meditate on it day and night. The, oh, the joys that follow after Jesus. For the way of the world is destruction. That's what it says. Do you want joys or do you want destruction? We're talking about happiness. And we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about the world. We have to understand, y'all, listen to me. The world, the world has no clue how to define happiness has no clue. You know why? Because happiness is rooted in truth. And the world cannot define truth. The world can't define a lot of things right now if you've been paying attention. But it cannot define truth. I'm living my truth. Good luck. What is true? It's, it's all relative. What is true to you is true to you. What is true to me is true to me. And everyone's just going to coexist happily? No. No. It doesn't work that way. 
There is one truth. And let me tell you something. Jesus knows the answer to every question. The world says, well, whatever makes you happy, do that. Jesus says, I know exactly what's going to make you happy. Me. There is no, there's nothing confusing about it. When, we, when the world says that, you know, just do whatever makes you happy, here's the problem with that. We change. We change all the time. And so what makes me happy today might not make me happy tomorrow. And suddenly I'm lost tomorrow because I'm trying to use yesterday's happiness to fulfill me today. And I'm different. It's like, listen, I, I may have mentioned this before, but I have no sense of direction. I get lost. All the, praise God that I live at the beach and I've grown up at the beach because as long as I see the ocean, okay, that's east. All right, I'm good there. But the second that I, listen, I've lived in Jacksonville my whole life. I get lost everywhere over the ditch. If I go downtown, I, I mean, I'm running in circles. I have no idea where I am at. I watch these movies. You ever see these movies where like these military people go into these cities that are under siege and they're tracking the enemy like he's in the southwest corner. Blah, blah. Like, how do you know that? Where is southeast in the city that you've never been? I'm like, hey, good thing. I, I mean, he went that way like, over the radio. Like, what is that way? I don't know. To your left. Uh, Jesse cracks me up when she's like, she's like, it's up. <laughs> Like, that's called north, babe. <laughs> so both of us are a disaster. But that is why we have this thing called Google Maps. You know? Praise God for that. And I know other generations are like, well, we didn't have that. Well, we do, all right? So sorry, all right? We're not all going to be like Larry Moore and just, just have a map everywhere we go. Can I get an amen, Miss Shelley? Um, we have Google Maps. And so when I'm going somewhere where I don't know where it is, like Bay Meadows Road, right? I just plug that address into my phone and it tells me exactly how to get there. It tells me the route and it doesn't waver. It's not like I cross the ditch. By the way, the ditch for y'all don't know is the intercoastal. All right. Um, when I cross, it doesn't say, actually, you know what? Today we're going to go this way. Actually, I'm going to change the route. We're going to go this way. And I'm going to do that. And because if it did that, I would get lost and I would get frustrated. And you know what would happen? I would quit before I ever got there. I'd be like, I'm done. This thing doesn't know where it's taking me. That is the world. It says, try and go this way today and go that way tomorrow. And we actually, we, we, we say, okay, I'm going to buy into that. And then we get so frustrated with the fact that it is, there is not a truth that we quit altogether. And the destination that we're trying to get to, that joy, that abundant, full life, we quit on. Jesus says, I'm the truth. Oh, the joys, if you follow me. In my way, my map, it doesn't change. And I will set you on course and you will live a full life. You see, our happiness... Our joy is not determined by our circumstances. You know what the definition of happiness is? I hate this. I couldn't believe it. It says a feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Feeling or showing pleasure and contentment. If that was really it, you know, we, we can all put on a nice little front and show pleasure and contentment. But that's not real happiness. If that were happiness, it would come and go all the time. It would be conditional. It would be superficial. But the happiness and the joys that the Lord gives us are fundamental. They are part of who we are. And what it says in, this ver in these verses in Psalms chapter 1, it says that 
if we follow after him, we are like trees planted by the river. I'm going to say this word. We are rooted by the river. But here's the thing about trees rooted and planted by a river. They're still susceptible to, you know, what's going on around them. It's not like if it rains really hard, there's a huge, massive storm that they're just in this bubble, right? Where they're not rained on and all those things. They're in it. They're in the conditions, just like we are. We're in the hard days. But that joy, that fundamental happiness shows itself because we are rooted by this river that we call the Holy Spirit. I've got a river of living water. We sang about it this morning. I've got a river of living water that's flowing through me. I am planted by this river, this Holy Spirit. And no matter the elements, no matter what is going on around me, I am so rooted in the Lord that I can withstand the storm. And in that, not only that, but I can bear fruit in every season. Because happiness isn't determined by what goes on around me, but who I am in Jesus And who I am in Jesus is a tree planted by the water. A tree with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit moving in me every single day. And that is where our joy comes from. That is where our happiness comes from. Not from circumstances. Not from the new car or the new job or the new title or the new boyfriend, or girlfriend, or anything like that. It comes from the Holy Spirit moving in us, sustaining us every single day. And it doesn't change. It keeps us on the path. It keeps us on that full and abundant life. Happiness can never be found. Listen to this. This was, this was profound. I heard this from a pastor this week. Happiness can never be found directly. Okay? That's what this means. Like, if you read the Bible, it doesn't say, blessed are those who seek blessedness. (laughs) Blessed are the happy for seeking happiness. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I seek blessedness. I seek happiness a lot. Like, what is going to make me happy? I'm going to go after that. The Bible says, you know, blessed are the righteous. Blessed are those who seek after me. Oh, the joys of those. Oh, the joys of those who seek after me. The happiness, the joy is a byproduct of the God that we seek. If we're seeking happiness for happiness sake, guess what? We become the center of our own universe, of our own world, because everything revolves around my happiness. But if we seek the Lord, if we seek God, then the joy comes. If we seek righteousness, we will get righteousness and happiness. If we seek happiness, we will get neither one. So we can't seek happiness directly. We seek the Lord, and the joys of the Lord come. So which one do we choose? Which one do we choose, the world or Jesus? Are you happy? Psalms 120, verse 1, starting in verse 1, says this. says, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? 
How will he increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. Check this out, verse 5. How I suffer in far off Meshech. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. I am tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. It's a little different start to this chapter. Chapter 1 of Psalms says, oh, the joys. Chapter 120 says, I took my troubles to the Lord. But there's, therein lies that fundamental joy and happiness. I took my troubles, where? To the Lord. We have somewhere to take our troubles. We have a God who takes our troubles from us. He says, lay your worries at my feet. Rest in me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you choose me. And what the psalmist is saying in here, there's this aggravation, right? There's this aggravation with where he lives. He's saying, I suffer in far off Meshach. It pains me to live in a distant Kedar. And what we have to understand as believers in Jesus, as we follow the Lord, we are now aliens in this world. And the Bible says it all over the place. We're aliens, we're foreigners, we're temporary residents. This is not our home. I mean, we do a lot of work to make our home home, right? We decorate, right? We, we have comfortable furniture because that's our home. And that's where, that's where, we, that's where we want to be. And we, we expect the same from this world for it to be our home, for it to be this place where we feel safe and secure and relaxed in ourselves, and, and we get frustrated because it's not. But we never should think that because the Bible says otherwise. We are temporary residents here. We are aliens. Listen, I, our mission statement here, Beaches Chapel's mission statement that the Lord gave us, that this would be a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus. And when God, you know, just poured that out, to me, I, I didn't understand the weight of it. I really didn't. I thought, that, that sounds good. I like that. I, I feel that in my, in my spirit. It's, it, it's, this is the Lord. This is what we're supposed to be. But even now, as I'm standing up here, I still don't understand the full depths of what mission he gave us. That this is a home. This is a home. This is where when you walk in, that you feel like you can be yourself. Where you feel safe, you feel secure, and you feel joy. Anyone feel joy this morning in worship besides me? Yeah. This is not our home. Even, our, even the verse that we base our mission statement off here, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, part of it says, you are no longer strangers or outcasts. And, this, and then it says this, this kingdom of faith is now your home country. It's the kingdom of faith is where we are home. Keep that in mind as we read this. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. Repent, what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus says the same thing in the next chapter of Matthew chapter 4. 
Starting in verse 12. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So they went from living in darkness to seeing light. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, Look, your home is coming. Your home is coming. You're frustrated by living in this far off land. When you speak peace, all they want is war. You feel like an alien. In this world, you're not satisfied. You can't find joy in the world that you live in. Guess what? I got good news. Home's coming. And I got a room for you. And it's going to be good. So when, when Jesus and John the Baptist before him says repent, they're not saying, hey, you better, you better confess all this stuff because you're a terrible person. They're saying, no, it's time to choose. It's time to choose. Let go of those things that you thought were going to give you pleasure and happiness and joy and come with me to your home where you're going to feel good, where you're going to feel like yourself, where you're going to be home. And it's a kingdom. It ain't no shack. It ain't no shack. The word repent is a hope-charged word. It is the key that unlocks the front door to us coming home. There's this negative connotation to that word repent that, oh, we we get a little uncomfortable because that means I'm going to actually have to say some things that I'm not particularly proud of. But all it is, is it's an invitation to say, I'm going to stop choosing the world and I'm going to choose Jesus. Because sin at its core is effort to bring us happiness from things other than Jesus, whatever it might be. And we can kind of judge those things on scales based on our worldly, you know, view of stuff like, you know, whatever it might be. It's, it, truthfully, it's anything that we put before the Lord. And so what we're doing when we repent is we're saying, Lord, I choose you. I'm not going to buy into what the world says it can offer me anymore. I choose you. Eugene Peterson, who, who uh, wrote the message of the Bible, you know, made into that lovely language, says, People submerged in a culture swarming with lies and malice feel as if they are drowning in it. They can trust nothing they hear, depend on no one they meet. Such dissatisfaction with the world as it is is preparation for traveling in the way of Christian discipleship. So, frustrated with the world? Good job. You're on the right path. You're on the right path. Listen, last week, last Sunday, we, uh, because it was 4th of July weekend, and we, we honor our country here. Right? We do that. And the reason that we do that, we, if you missed it, we had a color guard come, and um, Olivia did an amazing rendition of the Star Spangled Banner on the violin. Um, we do that because we honor the freedom that we have here to have church the way that we do. Understanding that there are many places in the world where this is a pipe dream. But we look at the flag as a symbol of freedom because of what it sits under, and that's the ultimate symbol of freedom, which is the cross. 
And so don't get me wrong when I, when I say that, you know, when I'm talking about the world, like we just give up on it and we, we wring our hands of it and say we're done. No, we, we pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. We want to see victory. But we can't let those things be our God. We can't put them over the cross. It is the Lord that brings us joy. It is the Lord that gives us that fundamental, true happiness as we are rooted in Him. As we are rooted in Him. So this morning, I want to call the band back up. And we're going to have a time of worship and communion. If you didn't get a, 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 one of the cups in the back, you can do that as we, um, as we enter back into worship. But I just want to consider something really quickly. I want to go back to John chapter 10. Where we started earlier, we're, we're talking about Jesus giving us a rich and satisfying life. He goes on to say this in the very next verse. And as we read this, I want us to consider... I want us to consider this in the context of Jesus versus the world, okay? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep, all right? Read that again. Jesus, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verse 12 transitions. Now we have the world. A hired hand, the world, will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. That's the difference. Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd and I've proven it because I have died for you. I have died for you. Put your hope in me. You put your hope in the world, you put your hope in the world, it's going to run away when hard times come. But you are a tree rooted by the river, by the Holy Spirit, because I am rooted in you. Because I paid the price for you. It says in Psalms 1, we're like trees, you know, rooted, uh, planted by the river that produce fruit in every season. You know what John says in Matthew 3, if, we, if you keep reading? He's talking to the Pharisees and he says, bear fruit by keeping with repentance. So if we're gonna be trees planted by the river that bear fruit in every season, we do that through the gift of repentance. Right? The gift of repentance. I am convinced that there is nothing that draws us closer to the Lord than simply being honest with him. Saying, all right, God, here it is. These things that I've tucked away in my heart that are in the deep, dark shadows of my heart that I've been carrying around for far too long, I'm going to trust you with them. And I'm going to give them to you. And I'm going to say them out loud because I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you over the world. And I believe that as I choose you, oh, the joys, oh, the joys, because I will now be a tree planted in the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to take you up on the invitation. I'm going to repent. Because I want a room in the kingdom of faith. This world is not satisfying. And as you walk with the Lord, as you choose him every day, the world is going to become less and less satisfying. Jesse and I watched a show the other night and it, just, it really just bummed us out. Left a really bad taste in our mouth. It was like a sitcom, you know? It wasn't anything serious. And I said, you know, I think if we watched that five, ten years ago, we probably wouldn't have even noticed what made us so upset. But praise God, we're not the same people now as we were then. Your eyes start to be opened. And the things that may have satisfied you before just don't anymore. One, because you're more mature, but also because nothing satisfies like Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. So will you accept the invitation? I'm going to close with this this morning as we take communion and remember just exactly what Jesus did for us so that we could have that rich, satisfying, abundant, full life so that we could be part of the kingdom of faith, so we could not rely on this world to be where we get joy and satisfaction. Matthew 27, starting in verse 32. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry his, meaning Jesus' cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when, it, when he tasted it, he would not drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads, saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. Jesus, our good shepherd, died for us. He died for us so that we could have joy in every season. So that we could come in on a Sunday morning after having maybe a terrible week, terrible month, terrible couple years and sing a song like Deep Cries Out and we could dance in the aisles 
because we serve a good God. We can sing songs like it keeps on getting better and you are good and know that that is true and have our spirit awakened in us. And we can sing songs like the one we're about to sing, Goodness of God, where God's goodness literally chases after us because he loves us so much. And we can choose that God. We can choose Jesus because he sacrificed himself for us because he knew nothing else was gonna offer us what he can offer us, which is a room in the kingdom of faith where we feel more at home with him than we ever possibly could with even the best home that we can build ourselves here. Certainly more than what the world offers us, which are lies. God's happiness, God's joys for us are not superficial. They're not circumstantial. They are the core of who we are. Who will you choose? Choose Jesus. Choose him. Repent. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is right in front of you. Maybe you're sitting here, you're watching online, and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. You've been looking to the world, you've been looking to all other things to try and satisfy this, this hole in your heart. You've been walking around joyless for way too long. You've been trying to do it all on your own. And what the gospel tells us is we can't do it on our own. We can't do it at all. But it tells us that Jesus' sacrifice is enough. And it will wipe the slate clean of everything in your life. And when we receive Jesus as our Savior, the old is gone. It is gone. And behold, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are now citizens of heaven. And that old person is gone. He's cut off. We don't take him with us. We don't take her with you. When we go into heaven, we are that new creation. We are part of that kingdom of faith, that home that we've been longing for. Trying to unlock the door with every key we can find except the key of Jesus. So now's your opportunity. Let's take Jesus up on that invitation to repent and say, I choose you, Lord. Before we pray over communion this morning, I want to give us space to do that. We're not going to even get up. We're going to sing this song. And then we're going to take communion together. But I just want to leave some space right now, right where you're at, to just bow your head. And if you need to come up to the altar, it is open. You can kneel and you can pray up here. But if you feel safer to be at your seat, then do that. But have a conversation with the Lord right now. The things that you need to say to him. Lay it all out there. And receive the joy, the happiness that awaits when we choose Jesus over everything else.